You are now tuning in to Lex and RDDC Broadcast Station, serving up on the double doses for us all. Welcome back, everyone, to The Real Double Dose. This is your host, Lex, coming to you straight from the heart where the talk is real and the vibe is always live. Thank you for tuning in with us because here... Serving a slice of everyday life is what REDC is all about. For any show requests, feedback, or anything under the sun that you can think of, as always, get a hold of us at Real Double Dose Channel at yandex.com. That's Y-A-N-D-E-X.com. And as well as Real Double Dose Channel.blogspot.com, where you can find all the wonderful insights, the links, and so much more. The About Me section, any kind of disclaimers, and etc. on that page and through the pages, as well as our expert guests, and so much more. And remember to sign up again when everything clears. We know everything. Everyone's kind of fearful for your free trip giveaways and your travel vacations for Puerto Vallarta, different places like that. We'll get it open again. Okay. We still kind of keep hope alive. And as well as your gift card giveaways, thank you for claiming those and all your support. If you're not tuning in by now from these stations, which we see is TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker.com, Blueberry.com, Spotify, as well as iHeart, iTunes, SoundCloud, Deezer, Google Casts, all kinds of platforms. And you know this already, but we want to just introduce our wonderful guest expert, Mr. Robert Crown. So Robert Crown is an international multi-award winning author for his self-transformational memoir, Suffering Ends When Awakening Begins. Oh, yes, that is definitely true. So Robert succeeded in breaking the patterns of dysfunction that had been a part of his family for generations and has been helping many, many more in his whole journeys. And we're just happy to have his Leo presence here today. So how are you doing, Mr. Robert Crown? <laughs> Oh, thank you for coming on here. You have been epic, and I didn't even know if I was going to be able to start this. So I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm just happy. Like your whole, like I said before, your your whole methodology is just zen. Like I feel your energy, okay? And being for the fact that you are fire, it's kind of amazing how calm it is. But maybe it's because I'm the other level of fire. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to put my fire out. You're just zenning with the fire here. So, so how's everything going for you, my dear? Everything is going fantastic. Yeah, just trying to maintain a higher vibration through all the madness right now. Yeah. It is a lot of madness, a lot of madness on here. I mean, how does that, I mean, as far as, have you found it more difficult to kind of get your vibration together with all the Corona, Corona, Corona? Um, no, not really. I think for my family, I just try to, you know, we try to help each other just stay in check. Um, you know, sometimes if I get online and, you know, I can start feeling my energy sucking down, I'll get off and just do something, you know, go to a happy place and elevate my vibration. But yeah, you gotta just make sure that that vibration stays up there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I I often wonder how. Well, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't. I, I try to see if my vibration can stay up because I'm like, I have to almost check myself where I'm like, what's happening? What's what's going on? I'm feeling a certain type of way right now. What is the problem here? Yeah, I definitely know that one. So how did your whole journey begin as far as you being able to get your book? Like in your book, when you were speaking about it, um, like different kind of things that happened throughout your life to like put you on this journey, your childhood and so much more like the thing that impacted you the most to kind of turn that extra switch to your vibration. It kind of helped me get out of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think probably in 2007 when I became homeless with my wife and four small children was really kind of the turning point. You know, it wasn't like turning a, like a little wave runner around. It was more like turning a cruise ship. You know, it was a slow, big turn, but it was turning. But I, I realized finally in 2007 it made me reflect on why I was homeless. And I realized I would always focus on the negative and what could go wrong instead of the positive and what could go right. Um, a friend of mine gave me that movie, The Secret to Watch, for the first time. I watched that, and um, and just from there, I just started realizing that, hey, you know, there's something here that I need to learn, and I just started investigating more and more about myself and about the things that I went through in my past and how to kind of uh, correct and change those things. And then just from there, I just kind of steady slow, I'm a slow learner, <laughs> but steadily, you know, make progress to change and elevate myself and find out more things about the world and about myself in order for me to be able to change. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, well, you know, it's good to be a slow learner though. I mean, in different kind of ways. I mean, did it, you felt like it helped you more or held you back? 
Well, yeah, it did, it did help me because it gave me some time to study and to figure things out. But at the same time, I, I thought it was a little bit too slow. Oh, I <laughs> you know, know. Because you get distracted sometimes and you know you're going down a path and all of a sudden you see this other path. Well, let me go check this out, you know, or let me go do this and see what that's like. But, yeah, you you have to stay on the, fat, uh, the path and you have to remain focused. And that's the fastest way to, you know, elevate your the spiritual aspect of yourself. Yeah, the spiritual aspect. And at the same time, like, do you find certain things kind of help you get there faster when you're trying to find more of that alignment and the vibrational frequency of, like, the level you're trying to achieve? Yeah, well, I notice, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting, uh, my vibration is changing, you know, I'm going in a lower vibration, I'm more aware of that now than I was in the past, and I know how to get out of it now and not get stuck in it. Because when we get stuck in it, it's so easy when you first started. Uh, when you first begin to understand what's happening, it's that our subconscious mind becomes programmed, right? So when we're small, you know, we have all these things enter our subconscious mind because our conscious mind isn't developed yet until six, seven, eight years old. So it does not have the ability to accept or reject information. So everything from our environment, the news, um, everything around us, you know, our parents, school, religion, all of that goes into directly into our subconscious mind. And this is how people's beliefs are formed. And through this, you know, so let's say, for example, like I have these beliefs in my in my life, and the only way to change these beliefs are to be able to reprogram my subconscious mind. So I'm sure you've heard people say that no matter what happens in life, you know, I always have problems with relationships, or my boss always does this to me, or I always have problems with my ex with this, you know, like these patterns that happen why so these are all paradigms these are all programs that are running in our subconscious mind that we need to override in order to to build new neural net connections in our brain so that uh, we can move forward oh okay okay the paradigm a lot of people say that they get stuck in the paradigm and they feel like they don't know how to shift or shake themselves from that and you think it's more so a person is just kind of like wanting to stay there because of their comfortability level yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, the first thing, you know, that's good that they realize that that's the first step, right? To realize and right to reflect and realize that you're stuck. But it's kind of like uh, when we're when we're stuck here and we step out to, we're going to say, okay, we're going to change, right? Uh -huh. And it feels really uncomfortable. So we're in this position. I give you a great example of this. It's when my daughter was in uh, Spain. She was studying school, and then she just found out that her, her student visa was not going to go through after a month studying. She was going to lose like a $25,000 scholarship. And, wow. you know, we were kind of, my wife and I were upset about it, you know, because she was going to have to come home. And what I did was I said, no, no, we're going to change this. And we went through a whole process. And it turns out like a couple of weeks later that, you know, she was able to get the visa. But my, my wow, point is, is that when, when it first happens, right, you yeah. start feeling miserable and you want to change. And it feels really uncomfortable, right? Uh -huh. So most people just take that step back and go back into that kind of like victim mentality because when we try to change, our brain is releasing like cortisol, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that makes us all warm and fuzzy inside. So when we take that step out, it's really uncomfortable. It's like standing on the 50-yard line when you're totally naked in a full stadium, right? But that's the best time to create change. So you just have to trust in yourself and trust trust that it, it it will happen. But you have to know how to you have to know how to do it. I think which will facilitate that process. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole understanding of like different ones being able to change and have that whole process kind of done for them. So at the at the whole journey of you and your wife being able to have that happen did it take uh, like a, probably about maybe a couple of weeks from you doing what you had to initiate to get it the process rolling for your daughter to stay in school well um yeah what i what i did was is basically what happened was i told my wife that you know this isn't going to happen you know we're going to change we feel sad right now get it out and then this isn't going to happen so what i did is i created an image in my mind of what i wanted the end result to be and that was my daughter holding a paper in her hand saying that she could stay in school hugging her friend and then from that point um, I told my daughter to um, you know find out if she can get a couple more weeks extension before she would have to come home and she did and then um, she sent her pass 
port here back to back to Chicago and we went down in the Spanish consulate and I didn't think that was going to work right and this is really the key here this is the key but I went anyway I didn't listen and I didn't dwell on it I just said okay it's an option let's go and the guy said no you can't do this in fact I have to take the appointment off the books because I don't even want to know they were here because she's she's in our country and you have her passport <laughs> so but he said, you got to tell your daughter, if she doesn't get out of there in the next couple of days, she will not be able to return if she does get her visa because the passport's going to expire. Her, her, the length of time she was in Europe was too long, so she wouldn't be able to get a student visa. So I got on the phone to my daughter. I said, you got to get out of there. She was back here in Chicago in a couple of days. She made an appointment to go to the Spanish consulate. I went down there with her, and uh, they said it's going to take six to eight weeks to get it. So... On wow. Thursday of the same week, she got an email from the Spanish consulate saying that her, her student visa was in. Oh, it was wow. like, it was so profound. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was really profound experience. But what I realized through that experience is that a couple of things was that the, the thing is, is if we didn't, if I didn't exhaust all the possibilities, all the probabilities, she would have never, she would have lost that visa because if I would have said, no, it's never going to work, so I'm not going to the Spanish consulate, that would have never happened. But we were down there and they knew, right? And they knew what the situation was. And I believe with all my heart that that's what actually, um, they were able to push it through for her and get it done in like four days. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was really remarkable. That is amazing. Uh, and I'm glad that she got a chance to yeah. stay in school too. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the, the other incredible thing was that the process that you go through, like that five-step process that I use, it was it was perfect because it, it, it just manifests itself. You know, I knew about it, and I've done it before in the past, but I didn't really put the two and two together. Uh -huh. But this is really the actually the first time that I used it, and I, I could see it working. So but once you get, like, uh, an experience or two down under your belt, it gets easier and easier every time. So yeah. it's very... It was very exciting. It was very moving. I get choked up when I talk about the story because it's so profound. Yeah. You were there to be in the whole midst of it and, like, almost like this concoction being made that was weighed <laughs> like a potion. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We're the, we're the co-creators of our reality. So, like, when I was... When, I, when we were homeless, I was always focusing on the negative, right? Mm -hmm. And when you focus on something, whether it's positive neg or negative, with an energized emotion, you start manifesting that into your reality. This is a law of the universe, right? Yeah. And this is like a law, and people don't realize. And that's why, you know, when society puts us in fear and panic about this and this, people become emotionally involved in that. And then all of a sudden, it starts draining their energy, and then they start bringing that into their reality. So you don't want to do that. You want to you want to maintain positive. You want to be positive, and you want to maintain that high vibration. That's why it's so important. It's so important. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, I, I got a chance to see that. I mean, for the first hand, when people like I was saying before, prior, like it was almost like when they say, "How old are you?" I'm like five years old, and they're like, "No way!" Da, da, da. I'm like, "Well, from a standpoint, yeah." I mean, once I have understand the belief system of where I was, it was literally five years old everything is brand new i mean i mean the whole journey it has nothing to do with even just celibacy or anything it just felt everything tasted different it looked different the sound was different like it was a whole new way of like you said the awakening i mean that's pretty much what it is yeah. you get a yeah. chance to have that whole opening because once you really are to the point of being vibrationally awake um, it comes into being able to have that, like suffering ends when awakening begins, um, because you're no longer suffering in the understanding of, oh, it's just fate, oh, it's just by luck, or it's by chance, it's happened. Um, no, and then it makes you feel more responsible at the same time. And some people don't like to have the responsibility. Oh no, that's not true. And I had no, you know, this is going to be a bad day because it just started off a bad day. And you know, everything was kind of going down. But in California, I realized that when I got a chance to kind of basically awake, um, I was like, wow, like it was to the point where I, I felt like the matrix unfolded in here. But this is the, the juicy part of what I, my brain is throbbing to know is that when you, when you, I mean, I know in your book, uh, basically when you were a child you had went through something that was completely like off the wall off the chain 
like unimaginable so like can yeah. you please give us some goodies on your leo presence and tell, <laughs> tell i'm sorry tell us some more mr crown yeah. i almost said dr crown you feel like that like the <laughs> professor crown please tell us some more about this show. yeah i'd love to well when i was 11 years old it was friday april 13th 1973 oh, and wow. i got up for school like any other day and on this day though my mom said that you're not going to go to school we're going to go see a show at the old chicago amphitheater oh, okay. and being a kid and not going to school i mean you're like woohoo yeah so my mom told me and my two sisters that she's going to go out and get gas for the car and then when she got back we would leave so my mom went out and got gas for the car closed the overhead door um, got out of the car, walked down the stairs of the garage and in through the family room in the basement. We lived in a split level. Okay. Um, and then up the stairs and into the kitchen. And then in a, a few minutes later, my mom asked us if we want any ice cream. We're like, ice cream? My sisters bolted up the stairs. They grabbed their ice cream, went downstairs. I got mine and I said, I looked at my mom and I said, Mommy, what are these little crushed up white things with an S on them put in my ice cream? And she said, oh, that S, that just means you're special. <laughs> well, I knew I was a good kid, so I didn't give it a second thought. Yeah. But those the S on there was for Samanic sleeping pills. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I took my ice cream, I ate it downstairs with my two sisters. And then shortly after that, my mom came downstairs with a blanket draped over her arm, a box of nails and a hammer. And I said, what's that for, mommy? And as she was nailing the blanket up against the doorway in the family room, she turned to me and said, it's a surprise. Your daddy when he gets home from work today. Wow. And I'm like, what surprise? And she goes, oh, you'll see. So after finishing nailing the blanket up against the doorway, my mom walked out the garage, started the car, got out of the car, walked out the back access door, and I don't recall seeing my mother again after that. Oh no, wow. So I started to feel like woozy and sick from all the carbon monoxide billowing in from the garage. I mean, I could taste it, the filthy grittiness of it in my mouth and it coated the inside of my nose and my eyes were burning. Oh no. Yeah, I called out to my mom and I said, I think the cars, we can go now and I didn't hear anything. And then I had this virgin thought come into my head, and it was, this is what death feels like. You are going to die. Oh, why? And I wasn't freaked out, and I was actually really calm about it. I just closed my eyes, and I went to sleep for the last time. Oh. And then I was awakened by this thought, this voice in my head, as clear as you and I are talking right now. And it said, get up go for the door go for the door yeah so i opened my eyes and i just stood up and at this point i was i was intoxicated by the fumes and disoriented and i tried to make my way for that uh bat for the garage door but my my knees were like buckling with every step yeah and i came across my sisters now basically laying lifeless on the floor and I wanted to stop and help them, but I knew if I did, I didn't have any strength left in my body. Yeah. And it would, if I stopped and helped them, it would have been surely the death of us all. Uh -huh. So I just made my way for that garage door. I finally made it out the door and opened the door and I'm standing on the threshold of life or death. And I'm trying to get a breath of that fresh spring, uh, spring air. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I tried to call for help, but it's just like a little meager help came out. And we had a six-foot privacy fence in our backyard. And, you know, it's 1973. People really weren't out like they are today. Yeah. And, you know, nobody's going to hear me. So I thought I better scream really loud. So with every ounce of energy I had left, I screamed out, help. But it wasn't loud enough oh. to wake a sleepy baby. Yeah. So then all of a sudden I felt this piercing grip around both of my arms. And then somebody began to shake me violently, screaming, Robert, Robert. And... I couldn't make out the voice and it was hard to focus my eyes. And then when I finally focused my eyes, I realized ah, it's my mother. Oh, and then wow. a flurry of thoughts just raced through my mind. Like, where have you been? Why did you leave me? Why did you let this happen to me? Yeah. And then the grave reality set in and it's like, is she going to finish me off? Oh. And that was apparently enough to snap my mom out of it. And, um, you know, she called my dad and the ambulance came, took my sisters off and 
you know, the rest is history, as they said. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you had my mouth just dropped open right now. <laughs> I can't even. I mean, like, what? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I can't say I'm, I mean, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm happy that it got a chance to bring you to where you are now. Yeah, uh, but are your sisters, yeah. are your sisters still alive? Yeah, they're still alive. Oh, yeah, good. They made it through. yeah. The thing about what happened, what was really the most difficult part is that, um, you know, we didn't have any counseling or any therapy back then. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like we just swept it under the rug and went on with our lives. But, you know, you really have no idea. And I had no idea actually even growing up that all these issues that I've had in my life were because of really that, right? And growing up in a dysfunctional family. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, you know, it establishes those paradigms. You know, if you go through a traumatic incident, that establishes a paradigm as well. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know what? That would especially being the mother you know i mean the mother is what we all kind of run to for our core kind of protect me nurture me like see the senses of what's going on and obviously you know i know back then when i was told about the era it's kind of you really don't it's come more of a hush hush kind of situation to where you just don't go out broadcasting what was going on uh, or the things happening that was going on there so following up with that i mean it leads to the conclusion of the next question of so you did okay so it says um basically of understanding it you had to go through the carbon monoxide uh different things like that, the poisoning trying to make it there and you finally heard that voice basically yanking you the universe was like hey you're not gone you're not gonna disappear we need right. you we need your sisters we need you get up and get the strength to get, do what you do so what led you to be able to like well, or should I say, want to run away um, at the teenage year of, uh, was it, 15, 14, 15? Yeah, yeah, I think I was 15 at the time, and it was, well, it was, it was a result. I mean, I'm not blaming it on what happened, but I mean, I was just, I turned into an unruly kid, and I disrespected authority, and, you know, I started getting in fights, and yeah, like you said, it, it's like you don't think of yourself. It's like if your own mother doesn't love you, like, who does, right? Yeah, yeah. You feel totally unworthy. But, you know, my friend was stayed over one night. We decided to take my mom's car out for a, for a joyride. And I was 15. I didn't have a license. I didn't know how to drive. And we ended up totaling the car out. Ooh. And I told him that, I mean, we were lucky to walk away from that accident. It's, and I told him that, I said, I'm not going home. You know, I don't know how my mom's going to respond. She might kill me and I'm not going to find out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so right from right from uh, Barrington, Illinois, outside of Chicago, I hitchhiked all the way down to Daytona Beach, Florida, where I lived on the streets for three months. I got involved in drugs and I was sexually abused a number of times down there. Oh, sorry. Uh, but again, everything in our life happens for a reason, right? So yeah. it's hard to say at the time and... Uh, when think we go through things but like you said you nailed it is that you know it got you to where you are today you know yeah. so that's that's very true and i mean not i mean to piggyback off of that that's why i tell people too when i get a chance to tell them if i could change the abuse from childhood all the way up to my grown i mean i could say yeah of course i would want a different route but it would not have gotten me to the highest peak of where my journey is vibrationally um, I don't believe that it would have because some of the things we look at, like, oh, that's pure torture. But, you know, life is not supposed to be easy. And at the same time, you have to be able to experience some of the most heinous or craziest things in order to come at your greatest peak. I mean, unfortunately, it has to be some of those things, but it definitely gets you there um, in a different mannerism. I mean, as far as that goes. But at the end of the day, like, so when you were out there for three months, um, you just did you get a chance to like kind of find your way to sleep over here or kind of like uh how did you eat and how did you like kind of get through any food shelters or anything uh, well no i did a little panhandling i stayed with this uh guy uh this bunch of druggies you know like your typical 70s long hair greasy hair skinny oh, okay. you know druggy household uh i think it was in i don't know some part of florida outside daytona i don't remember the city exactly but um, you know, I panhandled, I played pool a little bit. I used to, you know, come home from school and play pool, uh, for a while. And I got a little good at pool. So I was able to make a little money that way. But, you know, yeah. uh, that's it. Selling, selling drugs down there, selling pot down there. I made money doing that. And, you know, um, so that's basically about it. And after about three months of that, I had enough of it, you know? Yeah. 
I yeah. aged about 20 years down there. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, from having that much of a stressful life, yeah. I mean, yeah. from, from what what did you do at that turning point once you said, okay, I'm done with this? What what happened on the next level from that? Well, from there, I, uh, you know, my mother picked me up in a, from the airport when I got caught on a bridge in Jacksonville by the police, and uh, they flew me back home, and um, I told her I wanted to go right to high school. You know, I wanted to go to high school that day. I wanted to try to get some normalcy back in my, my life, and when I got there, I just felt like, you know, man, this is like these people, the way that they're acting and treating me, like after what I went through, I just thought it was yeah. like so beneath me, you know, it's like, I don't need this. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did that. I just tried to straighten my own self out. You know, I mean, it was difficult. Um, you know, my mom locked me up um, in a hospital for a while to try to get me help, but they had no idea what was wrong with me, right? Because mm-hmm. she didn't tell them, you know, that she tried to kill me when I was a kid. Yeah. But as being an unruly um, kid as I was, I escaped from there and uh, just went home and told my mom I wasn't going back. Yeah, so I then, I, then I slowly I just tried to, you know, focus my mind a little bit more and, and concentrate. I met a girl later on when I was 19 and my life started to calm down. I fell in love for the very first time. Ooh. And um you know, then one day we decided, you know, my best friend called me and said, you guys want to go up to Wisconsin? And I said, yeah. And then as soon as I went to ask Carol, like the whole room, the vibe in the whole room changed. You know, it's like this really eerie feeling came over me, like something terrible was going to happen. Really? Uh, yeah. But we decided to go up there anyway. And uh, we went up in this parent station wagon and Carol and I sat in the back seat. I was behind the passenger or the driver going up there we had another co-worker with us and we decided to come back from wisconsin earlier that night we went up to a bar and we wanted to avoid all the drunk people on the road and when we decided to leave we were looking for carol we couldn't find her and uh everybody was looking for her and i went outside and i could see her standing by the car in the distance with her head down and her beautiful strawberry blonde hair covering her face and her hand on the door handle sitting where i was sitting behind the driver and that eerie feeling came over me once again. Oh. And on the way home, uh, you know, we're only a few miles away from home. This driver pulled up next to us on the highway uh-huh. and uh, swerved into our lane once and we missed him. And he swerved again. And we went flying over the grassy median and into another car. And we were uh, T-boned and uh, wow. Carol was killed. And wow. My best friend was killed. Too. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. God, I'm sorry. That was that made me clench my chest. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so sorry. Wow, goodness. No, it's okay. It's okay, and uh, it's like it was. It was a. Uh, it was a tough time after that. I, you know, I had survivor's guilt, and I was suicidal, and you know, I was going to kill myself. And I had these pills. I dumped out the bottle of pills in my hand yeah. from a prescription I just got, and then I started thinking about, you know, Carol and everything that had happened. Yeah. And, The conclusion I came to was that she knew that night what she was doing. She she knew that she was going to save my life. Yeah, that's that's that incident actually kept me going for many many years um, to try to find my purpose. And I think when I wrote my book, it all kind of came together. Yeah, I mean, if that's my motivation to write a book, I don't know what (sighs) is. Hello. That is, my goodness, I feel like I'm having an Oprah life chapter right now. I mean, I mean, I don't even want to let you go. I feel like this right here is my YouTube, my TV, my HBO. Like, this is my, <laughs> don't even know. Make it, make it happen, Lex. Come it, on, You baby. know what? It, it, it is going to happen, Robert. You know. We know that. Okay, they were talking, they already wanted to put me on the Oprah magazine later on this year. Let's hope the coronavirus gets out of the way so we can get, I'm going to be like, Mr. Leo Robert Crown, please stand up. Like, let's go. This right here, I mean, this is, I mean, you hear people's stories, right? But this right here is like, it has me to the edge of my seat, like to the point where I almost feel like I'm going to fall down. And I'm hoping that the, the equipment that he has is on here. So look, uh, fans and people who are downloading this will make it right. Okay, so this is my fault. My mouth, my jaw is hanging down, and I can't. I'm just, I'm getting cues from Tony to be like, "Hey, make sure you don't mess up the mic too much." And I'm like, I can't. 
this is just oh my gosh like how did why oh my god so what happened to you like when did you get any broken bones or were you okay out of it yeah no i got uh i got a uh a broken femur out of it and i was in the hospital for a couple weeks with eternal injuries and uh i bet yeah it took me you know a good year to recover wow i was on crutches for six months and then i Still had to recover for another six months after that. So, yeah, it took me a while. Yeah, um, you had and to then recover. I had a, then I had, like, a phenomenal, uh, about a year and a half later, phenomenal. One of the most phenomenal spiritual experiences I had. And I was, I got a job, the first job after my accident, I was just working at a gas station. And it was a uh, cold, snowy February Chicago night. And... And back then, nobody drove when you had 10 inches of snow on the ground, right? Yeah. And this girl, um, out of nowhere, you know how they see in the movies and the door opens and the wind, snowy wind blows in and yeah. somebody walks in behind it? Uh-huh. Well, that, that was this, this woman. And when I saw this woman, I got goosebumps right now, I looked at her and she looked identical to Carol. Oh, wow. And I'm going, oh my God, you know? And, um, and I'm going like she had no boots on, no gloves, and it's like snowing out right there. There's, the roads are deserted. And I said, "What do you? Where did you come from?" She says, "Oh, I came from work." And I said, well, "What are you? What are you doing here?" And she says, "Well, my mom's going to pick." And I started looking at her, and I go, "I wanted, I said to her, I said, "You look like somebody I know." And it's like she almost expected me to say that, right? Uh-huh. And um, so she was wearing this, um, she had this beautiful strawberry blonde hair just like Carol's, right? Yeah. Her features were just like her too. And I looked at her uniform, right? And it was identical. She worked exactly at the same restaurant as a, as a server that uh, Carol did at the time. Wow. And it just kind of blew me away. And I had all these questions going through my mind that I didn't want her to leave. And she said, oh, my mom is here. And she parked like in the next parking lot, the next shopping center. And she just opened the door and walked out. Yeah. And it, and it was kind of like, you know, what I realized through that experience is that it was kind of like Carol saying, you know, it's okay, you know. Yeah. So after that, I was kind of able to loosen my grip on her memory, kind of move on with my life. But I still use that, um, you know, her giving her life for me as, as motivation to help me through a lot of tough times and everything. Yeah. And, you know, that's really the whole entire reason and the genesis of my book, because I don't really consider myself a writer. I may be an author, but I only wrote my book to give people hope, faith, and courage to overcome the challenges they face in their life. Because I if I can overcome what I overcame, people can overcome what they go through and what they really need to understand is that no matter what you go through in your life it's all happening for a reason it doesn't mean you're a bad person or that you need to judge yourself but you need to believe in yourself and you need to realize that this is for your greater good and for you to awaken to who you truly are to that divinity within you so that you can use your gifts that you have to help other people get through difficult times in their lives as well yeah Wow. I mean, if that's not that, I mean, from all of that, I mean, how could there ever be? I mean, some people see it as more of a what? I mean, that's just, it seemed like the whole entire journey has been a challenging time. You know what I mean? Like, there, there, it's, it's almost, oh my gosh, I'm speechless. Stop. I'm like, I'm speechless. Your friends are probably dropping their jokes. I'm frazzled right now. I'm, 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 I'm pro, I'm pro, I love being the host. Don't get me wrong, but I want to sit back sometimes and just, and just literally get in like, oh my gosh, my brain is going through like a million things right now. And I'm, I'm picturing Carolyn and I'm picturing how she looks in that parking lot. And I'm like, man, I, that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, that could that's just her like coming to visit you saying, hey, I mean, come on now. There's no such thing as a coincidence in my book. So that right there, like, wow. And you had that feeling and then she had her head. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I mean, you know what? That's a lot to process in your head. So during the journey, is your mom, did you get a chance to ever like reconcile anything with your mom at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my mom and I, we get along great. And um you know, I was just over to her house for the holiday. She comes over here, we talk, and, you know, there's no, you know, when you when you have a different perspective on things, right? So if I think I'm a victim, I'm not going to talk to her. But if I realize 
that everything happens for a reason. And if everything's happening for a reason, then why are we being a victim? Yeah. Because it's for our, our greater good, you know, That's like, true. like, like you said, like the title of the book, Suffering Ends When Awakening Begins. The suffering that we go through in our life is really to help us awaken to who we really are. So when we're able to un- to do this, like what you and I were talking about earlier, it's like you have a different perspective, right? When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I love right? that one. Yes. Wayne Dyer, right? Yeah, Wayne Dyer. So, he got me with that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it's kind of like what you, what you were you were saying when we were talking earlier, and it's the same thing. Having that whole emotional that fe- I don't know that feeling has me wow like I'm 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 jilted right now. I'm completely jilted at that. I mean, because, you know, it, it, it does. What what you said is very true. Being able to look at someone else's perspective on what they go through, it gives you hashtag no excuses. Um, and when I get a chance to hear people, like, I forgot, I don't know if his name was Nick. I think it's Nick. I can't think of the rest of his name, but it's Life Without Limbs. Oh, and yeah, how, right. yeah, okay. yeah, how he moves that. around and does his thing and i have different youtube videos where this girl just does everything with just you know nothing pretty much and when you go through all that you go through it's like you really look at it like one of my friends no he's probably an ex-friend at this point but i'm not (laughs) one of my friends he was kind of rude to me the other day like i don't appreciate people hanging up the phone on my face but you know no shade um i give him like three chances after that i'm like no i'm not i'm not just some person trying to sell you candy at your door this is me here okay (laughs) but he was like okay that's nice lex i understand you want to tell me things but that's not my life my life is this i want and he tells me directly i want to cry about my life to you and i don't want you to give me any positive feedback and i said well you want me to change who i am to lower myself down to your vibration so that's not going to happen. I said, either you come up to where I am because I'm not going to meet you in the middle. So I had let him know that. And I think from him, he was just thinking like, okay, well, that's this person and that. But I'm like, no, at the end of the day, you complain about having steak and mashed potatoes when there's someone out there who doesn't even have a, a, a loaf of bread once every couple of weeks. So, I mean, I kind of have to look at the flip side of that. And then he finally understood it, but he still wanted to do that. But hearing and actually being a part of it, I was visualizing everything that you were saying so i'm like make sure i snap out of it when it's time for the next because <laughs> i was seeing it all i was seeing the car i was seeing it all like i felt like i just was in a movie i kid you wow. not like wow. a real cool. real movie i'm like and i tell people these movies come out here we don't know like 99 percent of it look it came to fruition so something happened but that right there like man it it, it wow I, I just can't even imagine how much that is. And I'm glad that you got a chance to kind of connect things with your mom and, and get that relationship going on with her. So in your shifting process of everything happening to your mindset, to your spirit, your vibration, um, did it start leading you more into the mindset to the vibration? Or did you just say, hey, this is something I'm going to learn more in a journey with myself uh, from that process after, you know, everything had passed when you got a little bit older in life? Well, the mind, the mindset started, and then I, I, well, it wasn't even really a mindset. It was just like thoughts, you know, and it just kind of happened. I just started, you know, I got involved with uh, something that I left now, but it was like a spiritual organization, which kind of calmed me down and helped direct my thoughts, you know, more in a different way on focusing on, you know, gratitude and different things, um, you know, humbleness and trying to be obedient to myself and these kind of things. So I, I really wasn't a very spiritual person. So, but I, and then once I was in that, then I started learning and doing research on my, my things because, uh, on other things, because I, I noticed that things in the world that were going on, they didn't make sense to me. I mean, a lot of things didn't make sense. Religion didn't make sense to me. The way things, why people suffered so much in the world didn't make sense to me. And I, I kind of want to try to figure it out. And going through what I went through in my life, you know, I've always asked a lot of questions, you know, and I, I don't believe things on the surface. I always want to know more. And once I started investigating and finding out what was going on in the world, I, I kind of realized that. And I also realized about, about more about myself and about these spiritual laws that there are and about who I really am. And I think what it really comes down to is that knowing who we really are, right? Uh-huh. And I think this is one of the big lies to humanity and the great deceptions, you know, or as I call it, 
you know, like the veils of delusion and the veils of ignorance have been placed over me. You know, we have yeah. to remove these veils Very true. and discover who we really are. You know? So, I mean, it talks about in the 5,000-year-old Bhagavad Gita about going through suffering in life. People don't even question why they go through suffering. No. And that's really the key to your happiness is to question why you go suffering. Because when you start going down that rabbit hole, you're going to realize something remarkable about yourself something incredible about yourself that, that everybody wanted to take away from you but it's always been there the whole time and that is that god has always resided within you, you yeah know, it will always be within you, never without you absolutely that is the truth i mean and being able to manifest things and like um branching off of what i was saying in california i was sitting at that hotel just literally like weeping in that room for six weeks and shopping like a fool like after i ran away from basically the occult i didn't even know i ran into when i came down there i mean like it was just wow. supposed to be a vacation there for three weeks to meet a nice little sweet old lady and her son and all of a sudden it turned into literally i'll kill you in the middle of the night kind of thing um oh and gosh. he was i mean wow. like literally he was telling me you know not only what he served but you know they tell you the truth once you're 2,000 and some odd miles away from where you only know that but I was I, I remember sitting in that hotel and I'm like I'm not ready to go back to Minnesota yet I, I there's something I have to fulfill here and that's what I realized now it was me dying from the old me that's that was my fulfillment I thought it was I couldn't figure out what it was in that hotel I mean I was like I probably lost like 15 pounds just in the hotel alone I was sitting there just kind of pulling my hair out just in a bathtub freaked out didn't know who was outside my window and i'm like oh my god but then all of a sudden i remember looking through craigslist trying to get a hold of someone i started looking and i found um a lady and her i think her name was mrs fan or whatever it was Suze. um and she was sitting there and i'm like all oh, these people and i kept hearing all these be careful who you rent from these people had a whole infestation and these people stole from me and i'm like oh my god it's so much weird from minnesota you know i was like it's so weird and then all of a sudden i'm like what if i get with some psychopath or they rip me off and then all of a sudden i left a voicemail from i left a voicemail for susan um, that was her name and i didn't know she was the the c i think she was ceo of accounting at the one of the biggest hospitals they had down in california but i was like okay i'm like she never called me back you know and i just left her a nice voicemail and then soon as when i got a chance to have i was i was calling amtrak to go back she had called me and left a voicemail she goes hey if you want to come by this saturday um you can check it out and i'm like okay but i'm like saturday is a day of rest that i grew up in kind of thing so i'm like well maybe and i'm like something told me just go so it was raining that day i got the rental car i went up there to her house with my gps tracker and all of a sudden like i remember walking to her house she had one plaque in chinese and one plaque in english and it was like literally i had to take a video the whole time i was there because i thought i was dreaming in these like mini mansions um and it was like as for me in this house we serve the lord and when i saw that i took my shoes off and i looked and i just told her i'm like i don't care at this point i need i feel peace when i walk through here so she goes leave and go get a money order and it's funny because in the hotel weeks before i even came across even knowing she called me back I was like, Lord, please give me, or creation of all things, give me a contract with a legitimate person who has a decent, clean home that I could just pay my bills and live my way and without disturbing them. And she had it down to the point of the T. Like, even from the point of, like, delivering me strawberries and avocados and nectarine plants outside i mean like this lady if you ever wanted to live like you were in mtv cribs it was her and i'm like am i dreaming i thought i was dead robert i really thought i was dead because i'm like this is a dream I, i don't even know if i'll see my family i thought i was in a whole nother purgatory but after i realized what was happening before i had my spiritual death then I really connected the dots and I'm like, oh, I can achieve a whole lot more now. And I didn't, I, I put all that into my mind of what I wanted. And it was basically processed like, hey, everything I asked for and more was delivered to me in that hotel room before any process happened. And that's what I was like, wow, I didn't even write down the formula and I need to hurry up and get that. <laughs> Yeah. it was that that's feeling awesome. of crying and wanting and needing and i was putting so much emotion on what i wanted right. it just manifested yeah yeah absolutely that's an incredible experience yeah you nailed it the emotion right you were putting so much emotion into it and that's what brought it into fruition that's what yeah. made it manifest in this reality 
Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt so weak. Yeah. Thank you. I just felt yeah. now when I do it because I'm like, why isn't things working? And I'm mad at myself, more frustrated now because I know what ha- happened before. And I tell people when I got back to Minnesota, I'm like, you're humanizing me. And they're like, yeah. no, you're Lex the goddess. I'm like, yeah, I can speak through the transmission of what speaks through me. But as far as my core, I need to get that more rock solid because I was able to manipulate um, electricity. I didn't realize that later on, but I mean, it was to the point where Sean is some of the other people will come down from the engineering school and he would be like do you know every time i've been documenting you would come in here the lights would uh alter and then when wow. i came back to minnesota the lights would blow it was so it was so it was so weird my frequency was so high i was kind of wow. like oh my god i was like i don't even know what i have i'm like oh cool i could be a superpower you know that could- <laughs> right. That's right. hey we are i mean we can do incredible <laughs> things really if you think about it i mean i know people who can bend spoons and all heal themselves yes and yes we have this power within us that's what i was thinking i'm like you yeah. know what and then during this time now from this quarantine i'm like you know from everyone going on a lot lockdown thing i'm like well at this point it's time for us to be able to go within ourselves even deeper than before and be able to have that and realize even though the bills are still going it does not mean that we are forgotten and it will all work out regardless if the president steps in or not or whatever checks are coming in the mail or not it's all going to align itself perfectly the way it should be that's why i feel yeah absolutely what is it weeping may come in the night but joy comes in the morning that's what i had to keep in my head i had to keep that in my head my mom my mom would tell me in california on the phone when i gripped to her for life before all that happened she was like you know what perfect love cast out all fear and i was like okay mom i don't want to hear that i'm fearful you know (laughs) but it all worked itself out so if there's anything that you would want to be able to share a little bit more with or say to the listeners um for this show right now i mean i would love to definitely if you are okay with it i would love to have you back on um to have any oh my god i would just love to listen to you don't even play don't even yeah. play with me robert i would love yeah. it like <laughs> I'd, I'd love to yeah i'd love to come back it'd be great yeah. yeah so i mean like all all you rdc families all new who are tuning in i know you guys are there thank you for your love and support um, I just want to say that, like, I know they're probably going to be gripping on their seats right now because <laughs> I, I was like, tell me more. Like, my head yeah. got, yeah, discombobulated in a good way. There you yeah. go. I mean, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even swallow. I was just like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, this is crazy right now. This is, it's, it's, it's true, and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm very beyond thankful that you got a chance to share that because, I mean, you can always learn a lot more from just being able to hear someone's journey um, yeah abs- absolutely yeah, yeah. And that's why that's why i wrote my book and that's why you know the, really the only reason why i wrote it is to help other people and to give faith hope and courage to overcome challenges in their lives so when we go through stuff um, in our life don't judge yourself don't get frustrated just kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. and realize all that's going on is for your greater good and make just make your best effort to change and go go within like what you were talking about earlier and reconnect with your higher self and that divinity within yeah and believe in yourself and i know a lot of people because of society today it's like we're not we're not good enough right we're not smart enough we're not thin enough you know it's all of this stuff um you know we're not worthy enough to be able to do this or to do that but all this is a lie this is to draw our energy out and to make us feel inferior so we're not good enough so we stay in a lower vibration yeah but what everybody has to realize is that you you have this divinity within you you are all beautiful souls mm-hmm. you know realize this about yourself and believe in yourself and let your own gifts shine yeah you have to let your light shine that is absolutely yeah. beyond truth i mean that's that's pretty much what it is. everything's telling you what you're not and we're not yeah. giving that. And it's the same thing as the rice experiment. I was telling people the rice experiment is still out there. The YouTube, I don't know what the name's under, but it's the same thing as those three jars that were sitting out, uh, full of, yeah. or halfway with rice and clear water. One turned mossy, one turned black and corroded, one stayed almost the same. And it, it is what we're hydrating ourselves with. Cause the moment that you start getting to that point, you see another advertisement showing you, you should have an eight pack. Um, the moment yeah. that you get to that point, you start seeing someone say, oh, my God, I would never eat a, quote, a burger. I should be going to a vegan restaurant, you know, like something like right. that to where it makes you always feel inadequate. And then you have to right. deal with 
so many different lives. You have your work life, you have your personal friend life, you have your personal family life, you know, you have your me time and it's kind of like you're, you're constantly living five different personalities at, at any given time or how you, how you deal with a stranger walking up to you is completely different from your buddy for five years. Um, right, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, so you're absolutely. constantly in a state of, you know, quadruple bipolarness. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes to that point where you're just like, man, I just have five different episodes right now. <laughs> you go into a store, a stranger asks you for a dollar, then your wife's on the phone and your husband's on the phone talking to you and making you upset. Then you have a person on the road irritating you when you're doing something. Your kid calls and you change your demeanor. Like your boss calls and you change your demeanor. So it's like you're constantly splitting yourself into all these different right it does i mean you know you look at the overall perspective of that so i'm i'm just happy that we got a chance to have that and honestly everyone i mean including myself the hashtag robert crown yes that is and that's suffering ends when awakening begins and that's oh man that's a book that you won't want to put down i'm just gonna say that so when we go to lex's next chapter because oprah she's gonna she's gonna be there to support us um i'm just saying yeah we're putting that hashtag out there in the universe but when we have that we need to have you on the stage like just literally having that that kind of deep rooted leo and aries kumbaya moment we're gonna have to have that (laughs) i would look forward to that yeah it's gonna be you know we claim it we claim that that's gonna happen to us this 2020 we're going to be sitting there on a platform to the world giving our stories and our journey so that people can understand their story to their journey and 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 make it be the next virus of infectious positivity and moving forward because if if we got a chance to really penetrate each other's um membranes quote like that the way this is going um you know that's imagine how successful we'd be and Absolutely. I tell people too, like yeah. maybe this is the world telling us we need to rest within ourselves and be quarantined into meditating and thinking of our actions and what we've been through. It's time for us to spend time. And one of the gentlemen said in a podcast earlier, I believe it was a uh, motivation mindset. He had said something like people complain about being home with their families or taking time with themselves, but it shouldn't take Netflix for us to feel that way when it comes down yeah, to right. being, we need to be our own personal Netflix right. for a while, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's time to reconnect with ourselves. Right? Definitely yeah. time to reconnect with ourselves and know yep. ourselves. So I want to thank you again, uh, Mr. Robert crown, the Leo. Um, I put the Leo on there, everybody, but it's, right. it's Robert crown. So if you want to check out more for Mr. Robert crown, you can go to www.robertjcrown.com. That's Robert R O B E R T J as in jolly. Okay. C crown as in C C R O W N wear your crown very high in your head because we are all majestic beings on this earth. Um, and just for any other further ado, if you want to find out more, uh, information and the wonderful links and so much more and to get the book for the suffering ends when awakening begins, you can also check that out on his dedicated blog spot page at real double dose channel.blogspot.com. Once this airs and everything else goes smooth, hopefully everything went great with the audio even better for the live the live stream and the downloads i'm sorry but we get our tech to get everything together but um yeah robert thank you for being here with us and you're amazing and i pray and i hope that we can hear from you again and have you on here because i will be the first one with popcorn okay <laughs> thank you very much for having me you're a great host i really appreciate being oh thank i you. love you you're amazing <laughs> okay all right familyans we love you remember to be the change feel the passion embrace the power of that wonderful spirit Don't let anything get you down. And remember, like Robert said, and I'm saying you are enough. So we love you and we'll be back with you very, very, very soon.